Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Let's turn our attention to what's been an ongoing, I think, source of frustration and controversy. Uh, not the, the first and not the last, I think, government policy to cause that sort of a reaction, but uh, this seems like an overreach. The federal government has some pretty ambitious targets for electric vehicles, or I guess, more technically speaking, zero emission vehicles. Uh, so hydrogen vehicles, which I guess are more hypothetical than, than real, but that would fall under this. And I suppose in fairness, the government has carved out some further exemptions for hybrid vehicles, which, you know, I think there's a lot more of a consumer appetite for hybrid vehicles than for fully electric. But still, I think a lot of this is, is out of the reach of a lot of Canadian families, especially right now, all these affordability challenges. But nonetheless, we're pressing ahead, not to try to encourage or incentivize uh, zero emission vehicle uptake, but to kind of force it on us. So by 2035, uh, the government mandates that 100% of new vehicles sold in Canada must be zero emission vehicles. And some other targets to be met along the way, including a 20% target in 2026. So it's going to be a real challenge for manufacturers, for, for auto dealers, in terms of, well, how do you, how do, you do that? How do you implement a 20% target? When it comes to, to manufacturing those vehicles, shipping them to dealers, and then the actual sales process, does each dealership have to, to reach a 20% target, and how do you do that? And then, of course, there's the affordability issue, not to mention some of the other challenges that come along with the te- technology and uh, the realities of, of living and driving in Canada, certainly at uh, various times of the year, including what Alberta's been going through as of late with some pretty cold weather. Interesting analysis of all of this uh, up at the hub.ca, concluding that the uh, mandate is an arrogant, unnecessary gamble that will disproportionately hurt middle and working class Canadians. Uh, Joining us uh, for more thoughts on all of this, very pleased to welcome the program, the author of this piece, uh, Jerome uh, Gassaroli, a senior fellow at the McDonald Laurier Institute and a leader of the Sound Economic Policy Project at the BC Institute of Technology. Jerome, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Uh, thanks for having me, Rob. Uh, so uh, let's get into this now. First of all, you know the idea of of a tar- you know having actual sales targets as opposed to other policies that might encourage or incentivize uptake of these vehicles. Why does that miss the mark? First of all, in your view. Well, that's a that's a really heavy-handed uh, approach into the market. The, the market, you know, the government's basically saying, you know, the consumer, you will buy this. Uh, not whether the consumer decides, you know, is this the best for me? Should I have a an SUV given I'm, I'm in a rural area, uh, uh, gas powered? Uh, no, you will you will be you know you will be driving one of uh, these EV or zero emission vehicles in the future. So that's very heavy handed, and it may not be the best um, the best policy for for many consumers. Right. And, you know, consumers have different needs. Consumers have different means. Uh, it, you know, it doesn't seem like a policy that, that recognizes those realities, does it? 
Well, no, exactly. And and these electric vehicles, first of all, I, I have nothing against the electric vehicles. I'm sure that some of them are very good and, and, and you know, they would be, uh, perhaps they're going to be very good in, in, in the future, even better. But the trouble is, is that they're still unproven as to whether they can you know, take over, uh, basically replace um, internal combustion engine vehicles, mm-hmm. you know, completely. It's 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 just unproven. There's too many unknown variables. Uh, they're they're expensive now. We don't have all the raw materials to make them. Um, the the trend in in uh, these electric vehicles are to make them heavier and larger, right. partly based on market needs and partly based on on your range anxiety. And when you do that, you actually increase the carbon intensity of these things to make them it takes a lot more it emits a lot more carbon than making a traditional combustion engine vehicle so that means that they have to be driven longer before they even kind of break even in terms of of reducing carbon emissions um, or or emitting less carbon than than combustion engines do so we're, we're, it's too early. It's too early to say whether the, this, is, this is appropriate for us or not. But the government is, is still going ahead with it, with their mandate. Well, they are. And, and so I think that's where there's some concern is what's this all going to mean to, to consumers, but of course for the industry. Now, the federal government's throwing a whole lot of money at, at electric vehicle technology, but this is largely directed uh, toward companies that make batteries. So we're subsidizing quite heavily some battery plants. But in the meantime, I mean, the automakers are the one actually making these cars. You know, they're trying to sort through, through some issues. And we've seen some interesting decisions from some of the automakers about kind of shifting their priority and, you know, concern about costs or concern about consumer demand. So this policy is running into some of those realities, isn't it? Well, you know, it, it, it is. That's exactly the point. And uh, I think it's Hertz uh, rental car. They had big plans for introducing EVs into the rental fleet, and they've had to revise them. Uh, basically, they said they, there was there's just not the demand for them, and they were running to higher repair expenditures than, than they thought. And so they're going to be selling one-third of their fleet. And so that's based on market realities. You know, uh, all uh, North American automakers now, perhaps except for Tesla, they uh, lose significant amount of money on every electric vehicle they they produce. Uh, that's why the uh, government's offering these these subsidies for for battery production. You know what's interesting? Traditionally, the federal government or provincial governments have offered uh, auto manufacturers subsidies to help construct a a new facility. Well, not only are they offering a subsidy for constructing a new facility, but they're actually providing money to the automakers for subsidizing the production of every battery. Right. And that's taking it to a whole new level. And we're talking, you know, 40, some $42 billion to subsidize three uh, battery production facilities. So this is a significant amount of money. And it's not guaranteed that, that you know, it, it, will, it will turn profitable or, or it will be sustainable in the long run. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, that, that's the policy. Just the subsidies alone, as you point out in your piece, are going to financially burden Canadians for many years. On top of the additional costs that are going to be imposed on us if, you know, we're having this, this vehicles mandate kind of forced on us. Well, yeah, exactly. No, that's right. And what happens, too, is that is that these, these, these EVs are more substantially more expensive than the equivalent combustion engine vehicles. I think you mentioned that at, at the beginning. And as a result, it's again, it's, it's a simple market reaction that those that can't afford it, that they won't buy them. Yet, 
yet governments are providing subsidies for the purchase of them to higher income people because those are the ones that can afford afford these EVs and the government is subsidizing the production of these EVs, which indirectly also benefits higher income individuals. And on the other side, federal government goes into, and, and Ontario government, for instance, too, will go into debt to subsidize uh, these, uh, these uh, battery plants, but that's borne by all taxpayers, mm-hmm. high income, medium income, and, and low income taxpayers. What would be a better approach? Uh, if, if we kind of want things to go in a certain direction, if we see an environmental upside to having zero emissions vehicles, what's a more sensible way of, of getting there? Yeah, yeah. Well, I would say, let, uh, to, to, to a degree, let the market uh, uh, dictate where, where the vehicles are going. For mm-hmm. instance, there's quite high demand for hybrid vehicles. Uh, not uh, not fully electric vehicles, and uh, they, you know, well, they're not as uh, carbon um, uh, low carbon emission as as EVs. Uh, they're still significantly better than the traditional uh, combustion engine. So, um, you know, perhaps uh, perhaps that should be encouraged more. And um, uh, quite frankly, this is an expensive way of reducing emissions. By oh, all yeah. these subsidies, yeah. I, you know, I've done some some work in this, and it's extremely expensive. It ranges from three hundred fifty five dollars, three hundred fifty five dollars, um, uh, to reduce one ton of of carbon emissions through the uh, purchase subsidies, all the way to nine hundred dollars a ton uh, to reduce uh, uh, one ton of carbon if you include the provincial subsidies in BC and Quebec. So this is hugely expensive. There are more cost-efficient ways of, of reducing uh, uh, reducing carbon emissions, and, and uh, they should be looking uh, looking more towards that. We'll see how it all plays out. Much more is mentioned. Your piece is up at thehub.ch. Jerome, thanks so much for joining us here today. Appreciate it.